What's up, everybody? Greetings, greetings, greetings. It's like August 9th. It's a beautiful day in New York City. Cheers to that. I'm drinking um, a tonic and espresso from Kinship right now, which I drank during the hang with my next guest, Stephen Babcock, to like reignite the energy. This is a completely indulgent drink. Oh, God. I think I talked about it in the last one, the f- Andrew one. Fair. Um, I'm doing delicious. I had a rowdy July because I got sick, and then I flew and got an ear infection and flew to Bahamas. I was very sick in the Bahamas. Well, was, what was like the Bahamas National Independence, and I was just really sick. So don't fly with an ear thing because I got an ear infection. It was like a two-week thing, and then I was just trying to health myself up because Rachie and I went to Japan, which was radical, and I recommend, and I talked about it in the Caleb podcast in last October. I remember you're like, yeah, we're going to Japan, and I'm really glad we did, and I recommend all you guys just book your trips to wherever you want to go because you're, we're all going to die very soon, so take care of that right now. And then one of the fun parts about coming back from a trip is that I'm super psyched. I didn't play guitar on the trip because that's like vacation because kind of guitar is my job and stuff. So it's nice to – you come back and you're like psyched. You're like, yeah, guitar. You're just psyched about it. So I'm in my space practicing and I was like, I got to get the fucking Steven one out. Steven is the goddamn man. Yes, he is. We met. Uh, we met somewhere in Connecticut. I don't know. He's cool. We both speak upstate, which means like bills, beers, and bar food. He has a great tune that he released maybe in June, the end of June, the 26th, or the 28th, or something like that. I grabbed an orange pick for Lego Funky, I think. Uh, it's called Fight I Need. It's on here. Dude, I'm barely... My focus is low. You know, we were in California. That means like legal weed... Why is this clock not how I want it? Yeah, we had some legal weed, and then I have these cool disposable. Disposable. California, like, well, yeah, we're, we're the most environmental people, but then, yeah, yeah, here's our disposable weed container. She's like, oh, yeah, these are our number one solar. I'm like, these fucking. These fucking posers. Yeah, we had a little LA, and then I, I've just been on the run, and then I just got back from. Knoxville, Tennessee with Peter. So it's so great to be back in New York. Oh, and I hit the waves this morning, went out to Rockaway with the Firth and Tim Lappin, two people that I surf with all the time, but I really, really want to get them each on the podcast because it was just, it got so like music geeky. We're sitting in the water <laughs> talking about the dorkiest, like why Nord doesn't sponsor anybody. It's so stupid. Anyway, Stephen Bobcock is the man. This is a dope interview. Clearly, this is my most 
scattered intro, but that's all right. I'm feeling uh, G7 right now. Ooh, she's a little out of tune. It's so good to see my telly again. There's nothing like a telly and a strat. You got to pick them up. You got to pick them each up, and they have such different like personalities. Like that just doesn't sound as cool. On a strat, strat's like a. I actually think the strat is a little sexier. You know what I mean? A telly's a little more like a workhorse. It's like a fucking dusty. Dusty dude who's gonna get every job done. That's why it's the studio. <laughs> and like the stretch, just like a total sex machine, babe. We're like, it's a very specific job. You're not gonna send her into. Nah, she could do every job, but just in a little, little more luscious way. That made no sense. I should rethink that analogy. Again, like I said, we spent five days in LA and the sativa has fucked up my brain, but it is summertime. I'm practicing. And you should totally listen to Fight I Need because this is badass. And he's the man, Steven. Oh, dude, you know, Steven, I want to say this. Steven and I will have to hang because one of the best parts about the podcast is the post-coitus, the hang after. And I I had to run. So, Steven, you and I are owed a a hang, a deep hang. Something about the podcast, like you put the technology away, you get into each other. Fubbing, P-H-U-B-B-I-N-G, right? Man. Man, I really try not to do it to people, but I still do. I can't. And I know people who get their fucking phone out in front of me, and I'm like, dude, 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 I'm going to slap that on your hand. I'm not doing that to you, right? So, Stephen, you and I, maybe the Bills. The Bills won yesterday. Bills are looking good. Everybody in Upstate New York is so psyched. We'll see. We'll see. Go Bills. Go Stephen Babcock. Thank you for coming. Everybody listen to this. We got... I'm going to see Rosati. I got a bunch of cool guests coming up. Tim Paul Mary, who's a guitar god and I'm psyched about it. And uh, whatever. Enjoy your goddamn August. Get after it. Oh, and we close with 5A by Steven, which is a hot, hot jam. Maybe next time I won't play the guitar in the intro. Thanks again, everybody. Steven Babcock. Holla at you, boy.
this the one? Yeah, you're very good. Look at I, I saw, I saw the uh, the cracked door somewhere. The cracked door, you're like, eh, fuck it. It's I'm probably there. And then I saw the secret famous one. I went, I think we're 100% <laughs> in. I think we're right on the money on this one. You're right. You got it. Um, Mike's on. We got... Dope. Yeah, we'll be take as, as long or as short as you want. You know? Whatever you need for your rehearsal and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hot and cold, bro. I couldn't decide. And... I really appreciate that. Do you have a straw by chance? Or just... I can go off... I can oh, go no I, tops. Yeah, they gave it to me topless. I can go topless. I went, um... I was so stoked. Cheers. Thank Cheers, you for thank making you for, the time. No, thank you for helping set it up, dude. I really appreciate it. We were playing an epic game of setup dude. so... We were. I was like, God... Damn oh, it. this is recording. Yeah, it's on. No, we're on. We're going. It's sure. Steven Babcock in the building. New single out. Yep. Coming up. Uh, I I'm going to shut that because Malcolm sometimes just plows in here, one of my friends. He'll be like, Paul, Paul, what are you... And I'm like, no, dude. Sure. That's how i got to lock the door. He'll know. <clears throat> so, dude, tell me about this track. Uh, the new song is called uh, Fight I Need. It comes out June 28th. Um... We recorded it in Brooklyn at Shiny Things Studio. Shiny uh, Things. Mike Tierney, it's his studio out in Brooklyn. Um, he ended up actually producing the record, uh, kind of, I guess you could say, co-producing it with me. Um, and my friend Cody Ron kind of also probably had some production into it as well, a little bit. Uh, but this time, unlike my last record, I had Cody, who was our drummer, uh, produce it, kind of co-produce it with me. This yeah. time it was more like myself and Mike a little bit. Which was really nice, new experience. Um, <clears throat> we recorded it all. Uh, we recorded this song and a bunch of other stuff. We recorded a few other singles, uh, all in one day. Just kind of banged it out in uh, in like an afternoon. Um, and so the first single is called "Fight I Need" and it comes out on the twenty eighth of June. And who did you write? Did you write everything yourself? Uh-huh. Track? Because I know you. Last time we had talked, you're like, yeah, I'm doing some co-writes in Nash Vegas. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, know this this particular, all the stuff that I'm about to put out, um, other than maybe one song, all of them are. um, I my glasses are fogging up, and it's very it's very warm. Um, (laughs) It's just so humid. I'm very uh, very warm right now. Yeah. Um, I wrote this song all by myself, and then uh, and I'm chugging an iced coffee. Yeah. (laughs) You can hit the hot next. Yeah. So I'm getting you might get the slurp noise on the mic, you know. (laughs) Um, But yeah, yeah. So this song was this song and all the others were written by me, Um, and then I bring them to the band, and the band and I kind of like arrange them all together, Um, and then we get it to go, and we'll go in the studio, bang it out. Usually after we play it live like a million times. Um, When we finish playing it live, we'll take it in the studio, record it, and this is the kind of the version we got now. So that's the one that's coming out. I love it because I listen to all your tracks. And there's like you have this <laughs> aesthetic that works through it all. I'm like, holy fuck! Is this the same players? Is this the same producer? So sure. and then the visually. So I was thinking like, is this a band? He has a band of boys. So that's, yeah, it's it's your same. Cats. I've, been, I've been really lucky. I have a, a lot of a group of great players. I've been playing with for like four, three or four years now. Some of them a little bit longer than the others, but for the most part, the main the whole unit that we have and there's. Uh, Obviously, myself, uh, Jeff McLaughlin on electric guitar, Cody Ron on drums, Alex Manier on bass, Andrew Miramonti on keys, and he does some, and when we record, some kind of like slide guitar stuff, yeah. kind of some gritty stuff. And then Jacqueline Rostikoff, who's a friend of mine, uh, who sings Becca vocals. And that's kind of the main gang. Um, and then anything else is kind of, actually, we kind of all handle it amongst one of us. Someone does, you know, if we need extra stuff, usually it's one of the guys or gal that does it. Yeah. So we're pretty self-sufficient in that way too, which is really nice. Um, 
not that I'm against you know adding more layers or adding other people in, no, but no, it just gives the you way a sound. It gives a whole thing. Totally, you know? and I, I think when you record, especially because unlike with this situation where I'm releasing singles, and this is the first of the singles that are coming out. Um, usually, I release like an EP or an album, so there's mm-hmm. all of it. It's all at once. We're all changing to singles now. That's right. I know. It's <laughs> That's fucking right. ridiculous. With, uh, with the uh, with Spotify and everything. Um, but unlike doing it with an album and everything's like obviously cohesive because you're, you're putting it out all at once yeah. here, it's kind of trying to separate it by weeks or months when you put these singles out, how, uh, how do they feel cohesive and also separate? Cause they almost should feel a little bit different than like they went on an EP or an album, but they should still feel like the story sonically, I guess that you're telling is, is th- the same throughout. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I think you're doing. I'm trying. Well, yeah. I mean, it's it, you're achieving it's a journey. your goal. <laughs> <laughs> That's a funny thing. Mm. I hear so many singer songwriters be like, you know, they they're, they're, they can't they can't live together. And then I hear it. I'm like, well, I hear the same writer. I don't know. Well, like, see, that's, and that's it, my problem. Is there a manager who's yeah. like, hey, man, these you know these two can't live together or whatever. No, you know, I, I there are people who always like, much like yourself who say, oh, they sound great. Like everything sounds cohesive. But you're right. For me, sometimes I listen to them and I go. Wow, there's like an indie rock track, and then there's like a country track. Like, does that really make sense? But I guess I never thought of it that way. But I do think you're right. I think when you have the same quote unquote voices, the same players, the same players doing the same kind of guitar, drums, bass, etc., um, it does kind of carry over because everyone has a very distinctive playing style. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I what jumps to mind specifically for me um, is our drummer Cody. It's like every time I hear him play, whether it's with me or another player like i know he's playing drums it just sounds very distinct and like the same like the same could be even said like for jeff our guitar player or you know andrew miramonte our keys player um but even like the bass which kind of always goes unnoticed like i know when alex is playing bass like i know he, yeah. he's there because it's like it's a very distinct tone and he has a very distinct like you know timbre of playing that just is really distinctive and and over the years having done this so much now with these guys i've just got to know it so so well so yeah you're giving a lot of credit to those guys where credit is due but it's your voice as a writer too and like because i feel like you're you know where you're you're phrasing and where you sing and like when i was listening to your songs i was like oh this is a whole vibe i'm just living in the steven vibe right now well you you know know, it's like it's hip and interesting but it's not like hurting my brain, like, well, like good. some That's new metal hope. or some shit. You That's know what the I mean? hope, like, you know. Uh, I got to take a break from this shit, man. You no, know I- <laughs> you know, and it's it's speaking of new metal. It's like really funny because obviously I really like if you listen to my music, it's very like Americana inflected or indie rock or country kind of Americana, all that stuff blended together. Um, but like when I'm not listening to that John, gen- those genres of music, I'm usually listening to Slayer or like some <laughs> wild metal. Like so, <clears throat> like it's really funny that. Like, my brain is very, like, split in that musically, like, um, which and that always surprises people. And I understand why. Like, if they, you get to look at me, you're like, mm, Slayer, what? Slayer! You know, but I, I love that. Like, part of me, like, really loves, I love pop music, like, true on pop music, like a Julia Michaels track or something like, you know, like an Ed Sheeran track or something like Americana, like Dawes or whatever, or something maybe more rocking or whatever. But then, like, if I'm not into that, if I'm not, my brain's not doing that, it's, it's totally on to like Metallica and Slayer yeah. and like uh, Anthrax and like all the classic like thrash metal stuff. Do you listen to that cool. like working out or driving? Is it totally, particular? Like, I think that the energy of that music, you know? Usually when I'm working out, I like to, uh, and like uh, on the side of doing music, I like to the power lift and like really like throw some weight around in the gym and oh damn uh, i got really into it because a buddy of mine was really into it and when we lived you're in brooklyn thick dog <laughs> <laughs> you're 
Starcast. <laughs> <laughs> sure, I guess. T-H-R-C-C-C, uh, bro. But I got really into it, and, uh, you know... So you cranking Slayer and so just I'm, deadlifting, I'm crank, like, yeah, 9,000 crank, pounds? Yeah. Yeah. I'm cranking Slayer and trying to... Um, there's recently this thing I'm trying to do is um, I'm trying to... Uh, it's funny that as we I brought that up, but... Um, on Instagram, usually I'm tracking my deadlift project progress. Like there's some people who were like, Oh, like, what do you do outside of music? And I'm like, well, I like to like lift weights. It's like a good stress relief, you know, Yeah. to find, you know, something that's not music. Cause of I think course. that's important. And, uh, my, all my buddies were like, oh, okay, so like, what are your, what are your numbers? And I was like, ah, well, they're this. And then they were like, ah, and then they're like, well, let's just see what you're doing. And then it became this thing where now I'm trying to deadlift just 500 pounds, which in the scope of it is not uh, like a lot in the, the power no, that's a shit ton of weight. Well, in the powerlifting like community, cause I, I've like kind of geeked out on it and like really <laughs> looked into all of it. Like that's a very minimal amount. But there's like on this on Instagram, I'm trying to like slowly track my progress, and so I call it the Road to 500. Yeah, it's like the Indy 500, but it's just me trying to it's pull weight off the floor. <laughs> and uh, it became it's kind of become this thing. So like people will be like, "Oh, where are you at this time?" And then I'll do like a video and like oh, that's my story. Like I'll never post it on like a main like thing or ever. Like if you want to see it, you'll go find it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's there, and like people will be like, "Oh, okay, cool." And then people will send me stuff, or they'll they'll comment and they'll be like, "I'm doing this. Like, what do I do?" And so it be, it kind of became this side community piece, which I just kind of thought was like, "Oh, what the heck? I'll just do this once." Because I don't want to be that guy like the. Dude, yeah. I don't want to be a fitness Instagrammer, and I'm certainly no, not it can anywhere turn, near that. It can turn dark real quick. Oh yeah, yeah and like, like I don't want to oh, be you no, know. Bro. No, it's like you know I'm not. It's not. I'm not advertising like you know semi sweatshirt you yeah. know <laughs> material and trying to like you know whatever. It's just whatever. It's nonsense. But I just it's fun that. But it, it's fun. And you're it's fun, and it became like a community thing outside of music that I just didn't expect. Um, and that people who maybe have just heard my music and never met me or seen me in person might not even know that about me. Yeah, yeah. Which is always like fun because then I think when they finally see me, they're like, "Oh, you don't look like what I thought you did." And I was like, "Well, here's probably why," you know. And then yeah. it kind of became this. It, be, it became this whole thing. So that's awesome. Yeah. Are you trying to be in the three, four, five club? <laughs> What is the three, four, five? Uh, this is my buddy. <laughs> he sends I don't know this. Ronnie Coleman videos or whatever. Oh, Ronnie Coleman. Ronnie Coleman's just go. hilarious, right? And he's he. It was like if you bench three hundred, squat four hundred, and deadlift five hundred, which is insane weight. I have tiny little like I can't sure. like these. I can't even do that's, any of this. When that's, I that's, I got like two seventy five up deadlifting. I was like, I am invincible. Sure, no, like, and it's like well, that's what I love about weightlifting is it's so. Um, like when you do, it's very um, singular, right? Mm-hmm. You're, you're only really competing. I mean, unless you're doing a competition, and I'm not doing that. No, it's just really for me. So, like when I'm doing a competition, or, or if I'm like, sorry, if I'm just doing it myself, not doing a competition, it's all about I'm competing with just myself. Yeah, just about how how good you know how well can I do? Which is kind of my problem also in music. It's like I'm always competing with myself, and I'm always like badgering myself, like how do I do better mm. as a songwriter? Same with the weights, but with the weights, the um, you can kind of progress a little easier and you know? faster, yeah. yeah and like, it doesn't, you, know, you don't get punched down. You're like, yeah, you know, someone just doesn't say, <laughs> "Well, uh, that, that chorus is pretty trash," and then you're like, you're like falling over. Right? Like, if you miss a lift, like you're not, you know, your life goes on, you know. Uh, whereas if you write a terrible song and someone you put it out, people are like, "Oh, it's garbage." Like, you might like, yeah. ruin your six months or something, you know. Yes, our mutual friend Pete Francis. There's paintings of boxers, and his first album is a cover of a boxer. And mm-hmm. he, to him, being an artist is like being a boxer because you're just getting constantly knocked down. Oh, it's totally true. It's, you're it's just brutal. Always getting nah, crushed. It's, brutal. it's so brutal. And you I put think- your heart into this thing. You're like, this is my heart and soul. And then people are like, 
What? Yeah, I know. And, and, it, like, and that's that's the big. I think that's it's hard. It's very with, hard with, with music now um, being so like uh, so digitized and so in the people's hands, like with Spotify and everything, more so than it ever has been. I think like you can like put a, a song out and light it like a firecracker, and you might think it blows up to the sky and it's huge, yeah. or it might just fizzle out. And it's the problem is, is it's not even up to what you as the artist think. It's totally what does the public think, and you there's ways to like. Get it out to more people, or maybe you know tailor what you're doing to certain categories or certain groups of certain people. Playlists, certain <laughs> playlists, or something. But like the reality is, is like if it's a garbage song or it's just not good enough, it just won't go. Yeah, and that that can be really disheartening when you're like you really feel like you you love the song or you feel like this is like especially when you're doing singles because it's like um, you know if you put all your time and effort into putting a single out and that <sighs> single is bad. You know, it's not like an album where there's like, oh, well, they don't like this song. They might like this one. Yeah. You know what I mean? You got to, if they don't like this song, they have to wait until the next single comes out, which could be, I mean, if you plan for a bunch. How long is it going to be for you, right? Yeah, as I mean, an indie it, rocker, it's like, it now could, I'm like, yeah. how often can I fucking do you know? this? This is a whole nut in one totally. song. Like, nah. it's so hard, you know? And I, I think that's really, that's really interesting and really different where, you know, like, you, it's, there's more weight on each particular song. I mean, unless you put it on an EP or an album, but I just don't think that's also viable because... Um, just people don't consume music that way anymore. I mean, barely, right? You know, yeah. I mean, you and, and I do. I sure totally. you still listen I, to I listen albums. I mean, there's a, a record I recently got into uh, by this girl. Her name's Jade Bird, um, and I've just it was weird. I it's funny. I stumbled across it on Spotify via some other playlist thing, and then I just was like enamored by mm. like her music and her songwriting, and it was just excellent. And I just literally ever since I discovered it, I think on Monday. I've been. It's just been on repeat every day. You yeah, know, yeah. Today's. You know. It's like the last two or three days. This has been constant. Everything. I've. You know. Look. And then I would. And then I'm the kind of guy who like if I really like an artist, like I really really like an artist, I'll go on YouTube and watch every single interview I can. <laughs> and they're usually repeating the same. Like I grew up here. I do this now. I played this show. The end. It's like yeah. the same interview every time. And you got to watch. But I still got to watch. Yeah. I got to watch and make sure I don't learn Obsessive any new information. Fan. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and that's. It kind of becomes. Um, it does become obsessive in a weird way, but. I also try to like learn from like if I like an artist or a, or a group of songs or an album or whatever by somebody that much, like I want to know why like what is it about that? Mm. Oftentimes, I think it's the the songwriting and in this case, I think for her particularly, she has beautiful lyrics and songwriting, but it's also like very she's not like like I really like this other songwriter who's very similar called named Lucy Rose, great songs, but she's very like she's much quieter, more reserved. Jaybird's really bombastic, which I think I feel like I identify with more mm, than I yeah, ever did. Interesting, because I feel that I did with like Lucy Rose or other artists, like kind of singer songwritery, true folky singer songwriter people that tend to be like I love this other guy, Donovan Woods, but he's like he's great and he tells great so- stories and he's got great songwriting and he's plays guitar really well, you know, like acoustic guitar and stuff. But he's really reserved often, and then sometimes his songs will get a little bit bigger. But most of the time, they're reserved. Where this girl, like for whatever reason, is super bombastic vocally that it almost like sometimes you forget like it's really just her and a guitar. And I love that because I feel like when I'm singing, I'm often like yelling. <laughs> I think mainly because I just grew up in a house with a bunch of brothers and a sister, and everyone was yelling all yeah. of the time. And I used to do no, but I, I like that about her style because I think I I feel like I get it. Or yeah. I, I just like the the dynamics of that. I like when music has like a strong sense of that. 
Um, and the older I get and the more I play, the more I like enjoy those dynamic moments in a song. It's the secret slayer coming <laughs> out of you. That's you right. Know? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm waiting for the death metal solo. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know. I, well, it's interesting that you say that because I feel like your music is listening and approachable. But your live show, you're very intense and you're generating all this sure. energy. Well, well, I, saw, I saw you solo. I, I appreciate that. And I was that. like, this is so effing hard to do. <laughs> Just you, guitar, and then to like snap people into like yeah. you and you're like it's all on me all by myself well, and that's ah! that's the thing you know? I think for me that was really important um, playing solo a bunch um, which I still do all the time It's I mean a lot of times when I tour it's so much easier to tour solo just for costs and just the time and the organizing of it yeah um but that what that does as a challenge is it's like how do I capture a room full of 50, 60, 100 people and it's like you have to play a great acoustic show you know, and my acoustic show is different than a band show. You know, I'll take songs out a lot longer when there's a band because you can solo and you can do all these other things. Yeah. But, but when I'm playing acoustically, for me, it's all about how is is the stage banter good? Or do the songs have dynamic range? Like, do I feel like when the song starts, it's really quiet and kind of pulls you in and then it gets loud and then it comes out? Like, I never... The more I've done that in the last two years... The solo shows. The solo shows I've done. And I mean, I've been playing since um, I was... I mean, realistically, let's be honest, probably I've been playing since I was 16, but if I was really serious about it, probably since I, you know, right before I left college to like 21 and I'm 27 now. So doing solo shows at 21, I was doing solo shows at 21. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I was doing, doing solo shows when I was 16, 17 years old, too. Um, so you kind of got into it that way. Yeah, I totally came Wasn't into like it like a band. A, dude. No, I, I like I mean, when I was I, originally a drummer, so I played like drums in like a you know, like a punk band when we were growing up, like just as kids, it was like goofing around. But yeah. like, um, what, what I, was we, the name of your punk band? We were called Subject to Change. Subject to Change. Because we couldn't figure out a name. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then I love everybody's first band name is always, it's oh, always gold. It's always yeah. like, yeah, it was fucking. <laughs> it was just, it was like, um, and we thought we were like the hottest, you know, can I curse on this? Mm-hmm. Like, we thought we were the hottest shit in town. And, yeah. uh, and we were. Were just, you though? No, we were pretty trash. No. Uh, <laughs> We were probably pretty trash, but I, I mean, I mean, we—I don't think we were bad, but I mean, like, we weren't like, I mean, we weren't like banging. We were like thirteen years old. Yeah, you know what I mean. So you're a drummer, basement. punk rock band, subject to change. <clears throat> yep. And then what happened? And then I became—it became a point where I wanted to um, write songs. My older brother had uh, Room for Squares, John Mayer's Room for Squares, mm-hmm. and at thirteen years old, that record just resonated in a way that no record had probably before that. Other than maybe Huey Lewis in the News, because mm-hmm. my dad was a big Huey Lewis, and he they're, still is a big Huey Lewis in the News fan. That music is amazing. Um, but outside of like the the stuff my parents were into, which was like the Beatles, Elton John, Billy Joel, Huey Lewis in the News, all that stuff, um, that John Mayer record just hit me in a way I I don't I don't know I just couldn't describe it. So I knew I wanted to write songs, and then around fifteen sixteen years old, my teacher who had taught me drums was like, well, he was a guitar player, and he's like, do you want to learn some guitar? And I said, yeah, I'd love to, and then. I started writing songs, and then it became a thing where you learn like three chords, and then and you you're, just started and then writing. You just start writing songs, and then it just became you know. Wow. Then you're writing, you're just kind of cranking out a bunch of like you know, just whatever's on your brain, and you're just getting all those songs out. And then as I went to college, I knew I wanted to work in music. I knew I wanted to be a songwriter, um, but I went to Syracuse University to kind of like learn the business side of it. And then, um, did you study? Music yeah, I studied. Business? I studied music business. Yeah. But like while I was there, I played a lot on campus and and kind of wrote a bunch and just kind of felt tried to be as active as possible. But 
that's really hard when you don't have like a car and you are like 17 year or 18 years old, um, you know, especially when you're just starting college. Um, and also kind of just kind of figuring out who I was. So by the time I was like 21 or 22, I really felt like I had started to really write properly. I think yeah, yeah. I took like a songwriting class there and that kind of helped hone what I, what the heck I was doing. Um, and then from there, uh, I started to like branch out a little bit, played a lot in New York, played a lot in Albany upstate, um, where my parents are currently, um, and just kind what, of what clubs were you playing? Like, like um, clubs or like coffee shops? It was like there's one <coughs> bar restaurants. We, so like in in Syracuse, we played Funkin' Waffles, the original Funkin' Waffles off Marshall Street. Yep, that's which the is, spot, right? Which is like the 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 spot. I mean, if you went to Syracuse, that was like where are you gonna play your show? I guess you're gonna play it. Mar- only Funkin', Funkin Waffles. Yeah. yeah, that was really all you got. You know, that was probably the other problem about going to college at Syracuse <laughs> was that there's really only one place to play a show near the campus because the next venue is like big, right? Like the yeah, landmark well, or something, right? Well, and the thing is, is like as I'm sure you know you know like upstate new york like at that time especially like 2013 it had just come off that wave of like pop punk hysteria and all the stuff upstate like growing up um the music that was upstate new york was like panic at the disco cute is what we aim for like all like motion city soundtrack fallout boy like all that stuff in like 07 06 all the way to like you know 20 you know, 2010, maybe 09. Yeah. It was like all that pop punk stuff. So all the venues were pretty much like that were not like a huge theater were either Funkin' Waffles. Which is or, a jam band club? Which is in like my, a, it's, it's like a coffee shop that serves food and you could be a singer, songwriter, and play there. You could be a jam band and play there. Mm-hmm. I, I've seen some even like some hip hop shows there from like students that were doing like a low key hip hop show. They were there. But like other than that, then you'd be into like either house shows, which would be like in somebody's attic or somebody's like basement. Um, or you'd be playing at like a punk rock club. Which, were you just hustling them all? You were doing I was, whatever. I mean, it was I was kind of doing a lot of funk and waffle stuff. I was trying to do <clears throat> towards the end of my college life. I was doing some more house shows, mm-hmm. but those were kind of few and far between because, like, when you start to go to college, at least at Syracuse, you couldn't live in a in a house off campus until you were, I think, a junior. So, um, you know, most of my friends, we were all freshmen, sophomores for the first couple years unless you knew an older kid you were kind of just stuck with what you had so it was either like you played you know you you might put a video up on youtube or you play at funkin waffles or that was really it yeah um and then as people got houses you could start to do a house show um which was kind of cool and then that that was better because it was more like a party and then you i kind of had like a little band like some guys i knew from college um and we would play shows. It was kind of more of like an event. Yeah. Um, and then there was always, you know, it was a Tons was of a cheap party. beer. Cheap beer. Tons of babes. Know, cases of like Jenny Light. Yeah. You know, and like awesome. all kinds of nonsense. Would you guys sell tickets or it's just like... It was kind of like you you come in the door and you pay like $3, you know, yeah, yeah. and like you get all the beer you want and like there's, there's bands playing. And it was like very like, it was very much like the scene for the college kids because like yeah. all the bands that were like doing good, they were playing well or whatever. I think even like Rara Riot, which is like a big band, obviously now... Pretty big band, yeah. They came out of... Syracuse University as well, and they, no they did the same thing where they were playing house shows, and it's like, again, it's like three dollars for a cup, and there's a keg in the, you know the back, just and you, rage, and you just and you, you just happen to be the entertainment, yeah, yeah. And you just say entertainment, and like there'll be music, you know, for like two or three hours, there'll be three bands, and like you set up a, a bill with like your friends, and you you know y'all play, and then it's like afterwards it's like a party, and then it's like kind of fun, and then. 
you know, you know, hilarity ensues or yeah, whatever. Yeah, of course, know? yes. <clears throat> so I got like a wild cough. I feel like it's it's rain so rainy lately. I feel like I, <clears throat> I everybody's like yeah. It's I have like, like I, I was saying I feel like I have the consumption. Like it's like eighteen seventy, and I have like you know <laughs> I can't shake the consumption. No, it's a real thing. Mm. I'm neti potting. Oh gosh, I'm trying to drink so much you're, water. You're, I've never seen someone use a neti pot like you use a neti. You use a neti pot a lot. You use like every a neti day. Pot all I the have time. to. Well, I had like crazy sinus issues. He's talking about because I posted it online, but. Steven, <laughs> I, I, if I didn't use it this morning and then I had to go home and literally do it. That's, but I have, I Does have it, like extreme it, sinus, like I was taking antibiotics and like get five sinus infections a season. Are you kidding me? So but someone it, hit me to the neti pot and I was like, is the, the hell have I been doing my whole life? Is the neti pot like, like crack cocaine? Like once you start, you just, you just get addicted and can't stop and your body's like so, so like used to it. <laughs> Like your body's like, I crave the neti pot. I crave neti. Well, I what crave about pot. chapstick? Do you do you do the chapstick thing? I don't thing because I don't want to get obsessive with the chapstick. <laughs> I just I, like, I don't nah, want to be nah, nah. addicted. My girlfriend works for a uh, makeup company, and she's always bringing home like products, and like, and one of those products is always chapstick or something like, like that. No, and like, you know, no chapstick. She'd be like, "Oh, try this chapstick guy. It might be good for your lips." It's you know, bleh. and it's like, nah, I don't want to do that. Because once I get in it, you know, and then it's like, and then don't get me wrong, like when it's the middle of December, we're all using chapstick. You got to use the chapstick, but I just I don't want to get reliant on just chapstick, because then it's like it's brutal. I knew one girl who I used to work with. Upstate toughness, though. Oh yeah, yeah, going back, you're like, no, dude, I don't need anything. (laughs) No, I mean, you know, we're talking about you know where I grew up. Obviously, it was like you get out, you woke up in the morning before you went to school, you shoveled the drive. You had to shovel everything, everything, shovel the drive, all the sidewalks, you know, and then we would go go to school and then come home and do it again. You know, I mean, that was just because it snowed so much, so much snow, so much gray. Do you feel like leaving Syracuse and Central New York when I go up there and it's gray and I'm like, it's just. Sad up here all the time. It is sad. sad. I, I kind of, I kind of find solace in it, though. You know, I think I like it a lot. I, I mean, I don't like it when I don't like in the summer. You know, but like <laughs> I kind of like in the fall. Like I kind of get it. You know what I mean? Some people I think are just like, man, I'd love a sunny day, and it's just like, nah. Like this is gray time. This is time for the gray now. <laughs> You know, I don't know. I I don't I don't think I get dark. Like, don't but get I, me wrong. Like I'm not like hiding in a basement. Like you know, yeah, yeah. like I don't Give like love gray. that. But I mean, like I I do think like there there. What's great about growing up upstate um, is you get all four seasons. The problem is Real? is that yeah. you just get more winter than anything else. There's a lot of winter, yes. <laughs> and then there's just really humid summers. Very humid. And you get but like, we have you, lakes. True. It doesn't you, smell as bad. Well, certainly not as bad as oh, New York does. That's the thing I always notice yeah. when we're up. My wife and I are going to go up to Rochester next week, which is go. where my family has relocated. That is the number one thing I notice. I'm just Doesn't like, it? everywhere you go, it's the airport, it's the restaurants, Everything it's outside. I'm like, nice. it just doesn't smell like yeah. a million people have been right here. You know? No, totally. <laughs> I think and I, I think the farther you go, like downtown Manhattan, the worse it starts to just oh my breathe. God. Something in the summer. It's changed. My mm. one friend, right? We only get like 10 nice days in New York. We already had them. That's it. Now, that we're, into it? The, we're, now we're into the stink, <laughs> the stink period. You know sure. what I mean? You're just like, you're on the subway yeah. and you're like, oh my God. Like, what is the smell? The, the thing about the subway too is I feel like in this, the heat of the summer, like right now, like they could never get the air conditioning going enough. It's like, no. it's, it's just never enough. There's never too much air conditioning, I feel like, in a subway train in the middle of June or July. Like, there's oh, just yeah, not just... enough. Like, you could just fucking... <laughs> I mean, so you could put that, yeah, that sucker on, like, 110 and, like, just let it ride. Yeah. Like, it's always like, they're like, kind of like, oh, no, did we do it? You know, it's raining today. Maybe we'll put the heat on. It's like, what are we doing here, guys? 
we've done this now for what 50 years like let's get it together yeah uh, it's tough it's tough oh man it's brutal so when you were I'll take it back to the module here. Sure, were sorry. You, no, 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 it was great. I'm glad we had that. When you were performing at Syracuse, were you under your own name or was it a band? I've always been performing under my own name. So you've um, always been a solo artist. So you got the guitar so- and you were just like, I'm a solo artist. Yeah, you know, and it's not, I don't think I specifically, like, just want to do that. Like, I, it wasn't like I intended. Subject to change is never. <coughs> you were like, yeah, I'm, one, I'm out. It's up. Yeah, no, I, you I'm know, doing I, this on my I've own. Always loved, I've always loved being my own solo artist, for sure. But I, I'd love to get into a band where like I can play drums or work in a band just as a, even as a songwriter. I'm not against it. It's just that for most of my career, excuse me, um, I feel like uh, I've spent most of my career um, just doing my own stuff because yeah. I've been so focused on it. And so like, how do I make this successful? And kind of just been failing miserably throughout. What? Well, That's you know, not the no, case. <laughs> but it, as I work through it and try to like just keep getting better at it, really, yeah, um, it kind of doesn't leave a lot of time to invest in other things. There was a there was a moment when I was living in New York, like maybe two or three years ago, where I started playing drums in another band, but didn't work out. And then there's always an opportunity, like here and there. Some of my buddies were like working on some stuff, my old roommates, and I was playing drums with them. Um, but it, it's just because I don't really have a I don't have a main kit here, mm. and obviously, as you know, space is at a premium. Yes. So to have a place where you can store a, a drum kit and really rehearse with it is so um, outlandish. Outlandish. You know that it's just like I it's not worthwhile. Yeah. If that were to, if I were to move and like go anywhere else in the country and live there and work and do music and all that other stuff, like I'd certainly and you know bring my drum kit and see what could happen. I would never be against it, and I always keep the chops up. Like I know I can still play um, and try to practice, especially when I'm near a drum kit, which is every so often. Um, but you know, I, as a songwriter, that's just the easiest thing to do because I can put a guitar on my wall and pull down and write a song and be yeah, done with yeah. it. You know what I mean? And I can travel with it, and it's all it's just way more accessible. So as a writer, then my f- favorite question for everybody is like, what is your process? How are you? How do you approach the writing process as a solo, <coughs> solo cat? This is which is hard. Kudos to you, because yeah. it's so hard. You know, um, it, well, to touch on that even a little bit before I even go into that, like obviously as you said, I've been starting to co-write a little bit more, so that's different too. But I guess as as far as writing on my own. Um, what often happens is I kind of get inspired usually by hearing somebody else. Mm-hmm. Usually, Jade or, Bird, Jade Bird Lucy in this Rose. case, or Lucy or whoever, you know. Or, and that's not always the case, but most of the time I'll get inspired by listening to somebody else's music and kind of going, oh, I really like what they did there. Hmm. And like over time, I might collect ideas like that. And while I'm collecting those kind of sonic ideas of what I think is interesting or what I think is kind of like, um, worth trying like maybe I won't write a song with it but I might like see oh can I try to do this interesting chord change and see like can I just do that at the same time I'm also thinking about like what are like um, topics that I want to address um, and I mean oftentimes it's been heartbreak or something like that but I think sometimes as obviously as I get older the topic of getting older is interesting or just like whatever feels right for me at that moment um, emotionally I'll think about that and kind of so there be kind of becomes this like boiling point where like I'll write songs all the time so like for and this and I'm going kind of going all over all over the place but it's like for the most part I'll sit down with the guitar and I'll take the ideas in my head and write a song and sometimes when I don't have like any kind of sonic idea or I don't have any kind of emotional idea I'll write a song and it just kind of becomes a, a thing and mm-hmm. it's like that's just fine but I usually know those songs are kind of just like I call them like cleaning out the pipes they're just like pushing the gunk out so then like 
proper good songs can flow through the the pipes or you know of songwriting so to speak yeah so when the boiling point of like i have a really good idea and uh, and or i have a really good kind of sonic impression of what i'm looking for that's when i when i sit down with a guitar those things start to come out and usually it begins where i'll start i always need like music first because that always tees me up for like the cadence and the phrasing of the lyrics and then more often than not like when i'm writing a song I usually will write a song in like 30 minutes or an hour. Um, but I, I say that, that initial kind of idea. Yeah. And then and craft I, it over. And time. I say that, that, but you know, that it comes out in like 30 minutes or an hour, but it's really like, I think of it almost like I've been probably sitting on that song for like six days, but I didn't write it until this one moment. Yeah. And then it all came out. So I, no song has ever just been like, I was doing, well, there's a few songs, but they're very rare where they're just like, I sit down, boom, here's a song. And I, where did that come from? Yeah. Usually it's like, I know that I want to write a song and I just don't have the opportunity because life's in the way. I, uh, you know, I'm working on something, my girlfriend's home and I don't have the chance to like, just sit down and work on something. Um, you know, you know, I've been traveling, whatever, and I don't have a chance to sit with the guitar, but I'm mulling that idea over in my head. Mm-hmm. It's only when I finally sit down and write it that's when it comes out. So, so it happens as a very physical process. Like, yeah, like with I re- the instrument with. I certainly like I. I've written songs, or I've tried to write songs, where I put like lyrics in a, in a note on my phone, or just typed out lyrics. But for me, it's like I need the music first because if I write the lyrics first, when I try to put music to it. It's just like it's just it's like putting magnets that are the same pole together. They just kind of don't yeah. mesh, <clears throat> and they just it doesn't it never fits right, you know. And or like you know, better would be like a, you know like the two puzzle pieces that like kind of look right, but they don't actually connect yet. Yeah, yeah. And so it's like when they get the music first, it's like getting the edge piece of the puzzle, and then you can just like slot in other sides and, and kind of make it work. Um, and then those songs usually also stick in my head way more. And then when they stick in my head, that's when I'm like, okay, this is a keeper. And then at that point, I'll bring it, you know, to the band and say, hey, I really like this song. Um, can we, like, practice it and see what we think? And then if they like it, then we'll play it live. And then if we're playing it live, like, nine times out of ten, we're going to record it. You're going to track it. Yeah. 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 <coughs> so I'm they, sorry. they play a role in, in this as you as, like, a like totally. a bouncing, like, is this cool? Is this idea cool? Yeah, because, you know, they're... Miramax is like, this is cool, bro. You're yeah, like, you, know, right. <laughs> you know, I think, like a lot of times too that what they do is um well they're just kind of like my pulse check in a way like i might think think something's really cool and then they might just be like now that's like really not don't do that (laughs) and like sometimes they'll be like let's do this but like maybe change just one chord right here so like maybe the bridge starts with this and like i wouldn't have thought of that but like that little it's like almost in that arranging step we can kind of it really is where it like it irons out Mm -hmm. and then like i know a lot of songwriters like go back and edit their lyrics um, or some do, some don't, I guess. But I don't often go back and edit my lyrics. I kind of try to do the editing right when I finish the song or as I write the song. Um, but there are times now that I write songs a lot as I've gotten more accustomed to writing where I might pull certain lines that I'm like, oh, bleh. you know. Cause I, and also the other kind of key aspect of writing alone, too, is that when the song is actually done, I'll always make a voice memo of it on my phone. Mm-hmm. And then that's the thing that I'll, I'll take later. Kind of and come back to. for that energy. Yeah, because like... What was this track? I'll, I'll write the song, and then oftentimes, like, I'll finish a song, and I'll step away. Like, I'll go get a beer, or I'll watch a show, or whatever. And then, like, maybe the next day, I'll listen to that song again and go, do I still really like this? You know? Mm-hmm. Was it just a moment, or was it, is it something like it's a, a worthwhile idea to keep pushing on? Um, and then... So that's, like, solo writing. Um, when I write with other people, it's kind of about... 
in the Donovan Woods, that songwriter I mentioned earlier, who I really like, he always says like songwriting when you're co-writing is all about being a good hang. Can you be a good hang? Yeah, it's all about the it's energy. It's all right? about the energy. It's all about how does it feel like when everybody's in the room. Yeah. And so like, and I've had great co-writes. I would say almost all of them are great. I've had a couple that were kind of duds, mm-hmm. but that often it become they only really become a dud if the person that you're writing with or persons, if there's you're doing like a three or four person co-write, um, just they don't want to be there, right? But if everyone can kind of like allow themselves to be there, then everything can kind of flow. Because mm-hmm. like I think some people always, or some people feel like I feel like they come to me and they say, "Oh, I want to try coding, but how do I do that?" And it's kind of like, well, you need to learn to like let go of your ideas in front of someone and be okay to like fall on your face a little bit. Because I think some people are like worried, like if they're in a co-write and they see something dumb, they're gonna be like, people are gonna be, like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> and, and it's like, and listen, like if you say something, it takes wild, time to learn to get into a place to be comfortable. <laughs> totally. yeah, with the co-writer. And like, like, don't get me wrong, like I've written with some people who are really great writers. Like I had really no business writing with them, um, but they came in and we wrote, and I was like, uh, I don't want to say something stupid. But then it's like you realize they're a person and they're just trying to write and you're just trying to write and you have to serve the song. And usually somebody comes up and I guess in that process somebody has an idea or some chords or whatever. And then you kind of always flesh those out. And then I always find like in a co-write, if you don't have a song like within two to three hours, that's a dud. Like you got to just see tomorrow, Charlie. Full eject. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're out. Because I I think like the, the more I've written, the more I realize you can get a song pretty quick. You know, or at least a good idea or of a song. At least the little germ of the yeah. idea, like we're like, is like this you a can chorus? get a verse, you can a get a verse? chorus, yeah. yeah, you can get something. And then once you have one thing, it all comes together. Yes, you know. And then it's like sometimes there's been I've had co-writes where like we were working on a song and like there was like one line that we just couldn't get right, and then you just kind of like shove it through like a square peg through a round hole kind of thing. You just kind of shove it through the the hole there, and then you're kind of like, well, uh, that song isn't really great. And you might go back and edit it, or you might whatever, but. Oftentimes when I co-write, where it's like this, that one moment in that one room, and we don't really revisit songs when we meet again, which I it, it could be bad, could be good. If it's a good song, it might be tragic. But oftentimes, if we can't get it in that moment, it's not worth pushing on it. Yeah. you know what I mean. You want you always want to leave the room with a song in hand, you know. And I I think I I don't think there's any time I've ever had a co-write where I didn't leave with at least one song in hand. At least. A- but there a lot. Sometimes those songs have been garbage, and sometimes <laughs> they've been really great. You know, so <laughs> that's just how it goes, right? Mm-hmm. I, I always picture it like your. It's, inter- it's always interesting to hear <clears throat> sure. people kind of talk about their process. But I was listening to you, and I was like thinking you're kind of the guy who's just, <clears throat> as you kind of said, like always writing. You're the guy. You always have like three songs on deck. You're like, oh, well, I don't you know, know, I'm working on this one. I wish you know. I kind of got this idea, <laughs> and I don't know. I gotta I'm, finish one of these. I'm trying yeah. to always. I'm trying to write more and more. Uh, I have some good friends who are songwriters. One of them named Daryl Ron, who's an awesome songwriter. And he grew up in my hometown um, of New Hartford, New York. And then Ooh. the other is a friend of mine named Brad Goodall, who's also a songwriter, uh, who I met in New York City. He's in this band called Ona that are doing really well and playing a bunch. And they're always kind of like just write all the time. They write like all the time. And I try to write as much as I can. If I can write a song like a week, that's great. You know, like, and like truly, like, put a song out, like a whole song, not just like I wrote 10 minutes today, cool. Like, I did yeah. it for the week. Like, <laughs> if I can get a song out, I mean, and, and again, that doesn't happen all the time. Yeah. And some weeks I'll write three songs, and some weeks I'll write zero songs. But if the, if my yearly average, if I can write like 52 songs in a year, 
I feel great they about feel that. Pretty good about That's, that year. I then feel, you gotta hope yeah. we got ten that we can become singles that can really totally. Start. And I mean, more often than not, I write more than that in a year. Um, but I think that's like the bar minimum. I'm trying to. I feel like I just made that up right now, but I think that's actually like mentally how I've kind of always gone about it. Is like, can I just write a song? Especially now that I'm co-writing and stuff too, it's like because those kind of layer on top of each other and become this thing. Sorry, I'm hitting the mic. It's all good. And they kind of like layer and become all, all this thing, and that that's really important. But you know. I wish I was writing even more than I am now. Mm. Yeah, um, well. Because I also feel like... We all. I, I think everybody feels that way. Sure. Yeah. You know, and it's like... But you got to live to get these experiences. Yeah, and, to write yeah you know, I'm probably doing a lot too... I'm probably doing too much living and not enough <laughs> writing, you know. Uh, You're like in the gym like, oh, my I always, fucking deadlift. Yeah, yeah. You know, I always feel like I'm doing too much living and not enough writing, but I think uh, that's always a struggle. Is with, it like, like a conscient conscious thing where you're like all right i'm gonna every day for 20 minutes or is it a little bit more like when i have time it's kind of tough because like for me unfortunately or whatever it is and i wish i could write with other people like around like that are like that are not co-writing like if like if my girlfriend's in the house or like if i'm at my parents house and i'm like in another room like i really need the space to write i need to be alone to write a song this is why i have this room I, I was gonna say, and I was gonna ask you about it. Bring me off the mic, like, what's, how how did you get up, get into the studio space and stuff? Because it's really nice. Because um, I I find that like for me, you know, I was talking to another friend who was just kind of like, oh yeah, you know, my wife and I like are just kind of hanging out. I'll just write a song right in front of her. Who cares? And I was like, yeah, I can't. I just no, can't do that. That's that's a whole scene. That's a different animal. That's the energy totally. to hang. Like, and I just I need I need to be like. I need to be able to close a door and write. And know and, that. And, and not just, like, close this door and you're, like, three feet away in a bedroom. <laughs> yeah. Like, I need I need a little bit more room. Like, I need, like, like I need, like, a room breadth between. Like, yeah. I need, there needs to be a, a middle room, an ante room, whatever you want to call it, yeah, yeah. in between the two rooms, if we're doing it that way. Or just whatever it is. Like, I need to be in another part of the house or whatever, just so I can. This comfort. You if feel I'm not, relaxed. Yeah. If I'm not co-writing with you and, you're, and the person in the room with me is not a co-writer of some kind. Then I need to like I need to be alone, so that and can hamper me in a space in in a place where space is so limited. And you live in Manhattan. And I live you in live Manhattan or something. Yeah, yeah, and I share an apartment with my girlfriend, and we're it's one of those things where it's like where I need to find like time to write. Yeah, you know, and I don't necessarily want to just, like run to the bathroom and try to like clang out a song. It's like kind of like I need like room. I don't want to just like be sitting like cramped up in a bathtub. Like, how do I write this song out? Yeah, you're like, um, uh, are you going to go out? Uh, yeah, you know, it's like, you got to take the like dog? 20 minutes take, take the dog uh, 20 blocks, 20 blocks down. Just take the dog and just uh, keep going 20 blocks down. I think I think all musicians, performers, yeah. writers can, uh, you know, when you're living in a space, it's like, yeah, you can. F- you need to find this comfort to just be weird and get Totally, weird. I think that's the thing, because, like, I feel like I can't express what I want, I think. Or the worst is, like, when you're writing and someone's like, maybe they're not listening, and then all of a sudden, and you think they're not, and you're like, you're getting it going, and you're doing well. And then someone might come in and go, "Oh, what's that about? Like, what's that little, what's that little line about?" And you're like, oh, "I don't know. Like, let me just have crush it. my whole vibe. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, let me just have this, you know." <clears throat> and I think that can be tough. Not that that's particularly happened to me per se. I mean, it has before, but not. It doesn't happen like every time I sit down and write a song yeah, in my house. Yeah. But just one of those things where like people, even if they're just milling around, like it doesn't allow you to like totally. Like, once the song's done, I could sit there and play whoever's in the room. Like, I don't give a crap who you are. I could just play whatever song. If I've written the song, here you go. It's just I'm just letting it out now. Yeah. But if I'm, like, trying to create it and, like, pull it out of thin air, it's, it needs a little bit more space for me to, like, mentally get there and, and pull the idea out. Because it might require me to, like, think about 
things a little deeper, deeper or deeply or something or get things all square. I don't know. It's just like a weird process thing. No, no, me. no. I, I get it. For me personally, in, in the process, someone hit me to the dig. Do you know like doing digs, like just recording yourself for 10 minutes in improvising songs? I've heard of doing the te- like. Is it like the ten minutes a day kind of like? Yeah, there's um, probably different phrases for sure. it. Sure, like I know and there's something about that. I can. There's no way you can do that in front of someone. You have to like let all of that. Yeah, you're singing about the pizza shop and your laundry, and then finally you get out, and then maybe a hook is coming out. You're like, oh, I, I got a song in ten totally. minutes. You know, and like my other problem too is, and like, I have to be. That's why I come here. To yeah. me, this is worth the five hundred bucks. I'm like, I go to no, have a space. I know, and that, that's what I was gonna say. Like, this is like. This is like a perfect place to do it because you can really get away. And it's like, for me, it's hard because it's like if I were to rent a spot, especially if it was near my apartment, which is like in Manhattan, it would be like dumb expensive. Yeah, it'd be crazy. So, like, but you can find spots. Well, the nearest spot, I could find a spot, but like the nearest spot would be like, I don't know, in Brooklyn or Queens. And it's like, like you said, like it's still expensive. It's still, it's, not, it's, it's still, not, it's still an expense. You yes. know, you're paying rent on it, and you don't. Even, you, the space is literally just, um, arguably, storage and writing space. It's which is valuable in New York City, yeah. but it's like that's a lot, like to spend. Like what it would just to have, even this space. Like you're saying, like this space. If I lived in like Nashville, I could like rent out half of a house. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? For no, just, New York is expensive. For just, for just a no rehearsal space. Yeah. You know, forget about I'm, I'm not even living there. There's not even a bathroom in the in the joint. You know what I mean? <laughs> <clears throat> so that, that, that drives me, like, crazy sometimes. But Do you, you have a desire to live in Nashville? Or? Yeah, totally, actually. Uh, I, I think like- that's totally on the agenda at some juncture. I'd like to do that. You know, I... Or at least that seems like something we, I'd like to do. You know, there's obviously things that are in you know in the way of that, and I don't want to just pick up and move because I have a great band here, and I've I've spent you know five years here building a musical kind of sound, mm-hmm. I guess, or just kind of trying to you know ply my wares at all the local venues and stuff, and you know this has been home base. But for you've a long been time. on the road. You you're a road dog. You've been road dog. You know, here's a, just like I said. You know, I don't think I probably write enough. I probably don't play out enough either but I'm, I've been happy this year especially I've been out a lot more than I used to um, because a couple, I, couple weeks here and there a couple weeks here and there I got some what do you, dates coming up in July coming up? Yeah, yeah, little... July middle of July I'll be in Nashville Asheville Charlotte DC come back do some stuff upstate in August playing Music Fest in Bethlehem Pennsylvania uh, doing two stages there um you know, it sounds like when I say it out loud, it sounds cool. But it's like I look at that. I look at that list. You know, it's like being. I think being a musician, arguably, is all about like how do you handle doubt? How do you handle <laughs> self doubt? Yeah, arguably, yeah. and that's one of those things. Like, I'd love to sit here and say, "Yeah, I'm crushing I'm it." Crushing it. You know, but I mean, until I have like I have a booking deal with Paradigm or something, like I'm just I'm just slinging it. You know, and I'm just flying by the seat of my pants and just trying to book enough shows that people want to come to that are able to kind of give me enough money to at least kind of cover the costs of the run of the tour run and just kind of anchor shows kind of couple anchor shows and couple yeah. like I do a lot of so far sound stuff because that seems to be really well and for me you're and, like the so far guy well <laughs> I, maybe it's been uh, in the news lately it's been I, was, I wanted to get your on take on this yeah yeah the hot oh, what take. so far is no, 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 so no, far, no, like on the, whole, the, the so far issue like the, of the, the payments issue. and all that stuff it, the issue, I guess. Yeah, I, mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> the, I feel like the yeah. You come back to the mic for that. The issue. <laughs> well, you know. You tell me what it is. You tell me what this whole. I mean, you're the guy. You're doing it. 
You're in the perfect. What, what do I think of like so far sounds? It's been good to you. So I think you've got to play all these cities. And, yeah, and I and you've I, I, attentive I, audiences. Yeah, and I, I know other people have certain concerns, and I totally understand that. Um, I understand what it's like to be a musician and play shows and not feel like you're getting compensated. I mean, hell, I've played. I, I can't even tell you how many shows I've played where somebody's payment was three Tallboy PBRs, and yeah. they said, "Have a great one." And I go, "I got to drive three hours," and they go, "Well, here's these three PBRs." I go, "What the fuck am I going to do with that?" <laughs> You know what I mean, my first ever tour in the South. I mean, I won these venues, no, no joke. Like I thought I was going to get some money, and they said nope. And here's three PBRs, and I said three tall boys, three tall boy PBRs, and I went wow. I mean, obviously never played there again, but it's like just the things like that. It's just like you know. So I understand what it's like to play a show and not get compensated right. I totally get it. But what I think so far is, and what so far is about, just just so we can just in case anybody doesn't know, right? It's that like it has become this multi. Yeah. So so I guess so. What so far is so far sounds is basically it's worldwide. Um, it's in like I think three hundred and fifty or four hundred cities around the world. Started in England, and they have a hub here in New York, and they have one in L.A. and so on and so forth. All your major cities, etc. Basically, their house concerts or like their. They're, they put on shows in either people's houses or like sometimes in small venues, bars, whatever, where they, um, they're intimate shows. There's three acts. Each act plays like 20 minutes, and they charge a ticket for you to come in, usually. I think How some much cities. Is the ticket, usually. The ticket, I think, is, is, I think it's $15. I think very affordable, which I think is affordable. Yeah, it's a little more fancy it's, it's, version it's, of the know, three dollar cup. And I've learned, I've learned more. Like as I've gone, some cities do like just past the hat, so there's no tickets. Some of the major cities, like New York or L.A. or whatever, they have tickets for their shows, but they do like a show. They do like two shows every night, so it's like to keep the upkeep cost of everything kind of going. They have to charge a ticket price. Sound man, sound. Yep, and they use those bigger videographer, cities. Videographer, right? The, yeah, sometimes a videographer. Um, but there's those cities, you also usually have bigger talent that come through too. So it's not just like your local guy who's like trying to make it in, you know, East so-and-so it's like, you know, sometimes like the big cities might have like surprise big artists, not just me. Like I'm just like a guy, you know, you're, I don't know why you're listening to the podcast, but yeah, I'm Steven <laughs> Babcock. I'm a singer songwriter. I might be there. They might also be like, I mean, I did one in DC for their anniversary with so far and Ed Sheeran was there. Do you know what I mean? Like the, the big gambit, deal, yeah. the gambit is, is wide, you know? Um, but long story short, I think the controversy with it all was that some artists felt like they weren't getting paid properly because they were coming in and they were playing and they felt like, I'm doing a 20-minute show. I'm only getting – I think they pay artists usually around $100 or they were doing like compensation with a video. But I think mostly now they just – I think. Again, and I'm not like an, an authority no, on this. No, you're not an authority and I you're not speaking of out of school. Yeah, no, I'm no, no, just no. saying I, I know I, that you're you – know, And I don't work for so far anything. You're and involved I, and they um, support your cause and you've probably yeah, yeah. got a lot of good positive – your positive totally. story of that's, so far. That's what I would say is with so far sounds, you know, um, and again, yeah, like my, this is just my opinion and I'm not like an authority on any of it, but I love so far sounds. I think they've been great yeah. to me because a lot of times, like, I think it's hard if you, if you go into so far sounds with a 10 piece band and expect to make a lot of money, that's not really the right venue. It's, it's what, you know what it is? It's like going into a coffee shop and saying, hi, I'm a 10 piece brass band. Can we play here? They'd be like, well, no, it's it's too many people and it's too small of a space and it's not what it is. So far, sounds is all about intimate shows. So if you take that ten piece brass band and you pare it down to like three people or four people, so you have kind of an idea or like uh, an acoustic moment for that band. That's what so far sounds is for. It's about their whole thing. I think. I mean, you can be loud and aggressive, but the I think their whole thing is about being intimate. And I don't mean intimate as in quiet and soft. I mean intimate as in like. You are a fan, and you get to know the artist because when the artist plays, 
they are very it's like a vulnerable moment they usually the person's the the audience usually is sitting on a on the rug or in a chair right in front of the artist they don't always know who's who and they don't always know who's playing that's true it's no idea right they're like i'm going yeah. to, their their name they is they find out the day of the show so like they're gonna say you, you're gonna give a good 20 minutes so yeah i'm not gonna you know and yeah. I, well here's the other thing too like i also think this like i guess you you could choose not to go if you didn't want to go but if you bought a ticket and you're going to go, you don't know always this other thing. You don't know who the three artists are until the the day of the show, um, or the day before. And I even guess. the location sometimes, right? Sometimes the location too. But I mean, you choose. You, I know in New York and the other places, you choose because they will say like the neighborhood. So like, let's say if you live in the Upper East Side, they're not, and you chose to you know go to a show in the Upper East Side. It's not going to happen to be then in you know the Bronx. Do you know what I mean? Like it's it's in the area. So like wherever you choose, the, usually the neighborhood is like where it's going to be. It's going to be like in a range of areas, and they have options and all that stuff. <clears throat> but I, I guess to get back on track, I guess my point is just that it's been good to for you. me. It's been really good because you're the, taking advantage the, of it. Yeah. The the one thing I take away, not just like the the fact that they pay and it's a really quick and easy show to meet people, is is exactly actually that last bit. It's that I get to play and I get to meet people. And I've played in loud bars and I've played in big venues where like, you know, there's like 10 people there and it's like, what am I doing? Yeah. Whereas so far takes care of all the marketing. They bring all these people in and they're the, the people that come to so far, as far as I'm more, they want, they want to come. They want to, it's usually a BYOB event. So they bring their drinks and they want to meet artists. They want to mm-hmm. listen to music in an intimate way. They want to know who these artists are and they're willing to experience that. And I think that's why I love so far is that they, they allow someone like me who might not – I don't have necessarily a big community in Asheville, North Carolina. I might in Charlotte and I might in Raleigh, but maybe I'm trying to get to Asheville. Well, so far Asheville can let me come in and meet some people in Asheville and maybe they like my music and then maybe they'll listen to me on Spotify and all this other stuff. There's like a marketing component to it and a kind of a social component that I think a lot of people forget because it, it's not just about playing a, a show and getting in the money. Like that's what I think bar gigs are like. You know, yeah. like you play the bar and you hope people listen, but really it's the, you're there because they're going to pay you a bunch of money to play for three hours. That's not what this is. It's like, how can I play a really intimate show and get people to know who I am so they might come to a venue show in six months? That's how I always look at it. And I think no. for, for me, that's been really receptive. Yeah, I think that's great. And you're, yeah, yeah you're at the perfect place in your career. Mm-hmm. Have you been able to jump off of it and do a venue? Um, in these towns, or is that leap just now? It's like, oh, how do you, how do you grassroots? Do you have a newsletter? Do you? I have like a newsletter, Instagram, Instagram. Yeah, I have all that stuff. I don't know. The game is. I, I, I know there's no answers, and nobody knows no, any sure. answers. But what have you found? I think for me, just because again, I don't feel like I probably tour enough. Um, maybe some people think I do tour a lot. I feel like I probably could tour more. Um, I some towns like I've made a jump because I've played this so far so many times i probably could try to book a venue um like for one example i know like when i do so far usually i'll do a tour with so far and i'll tour with so far again and i'll keep excuse me i'll keep doing that over and over again to try to build the audience up and i've noticed that on some of these last so far shows i've done especially in the southeast where i play a lot people will come to the shows that saw me at a prior so far they'll come to the same so far that i'm doing now and they know the words to all the songs, and they've listened so to them. Know they've been and they know they've and they know they were listening, and like that's really cool. And that's awesome. You know, like I play I play Rockwood sometimes, and it's just like, it, which is a venue here in New York City, 
And it's like, I could play and there'll be people there who know the words and there'll be people there who've never met me and are just trying to drink Miller High Life as fast as they can. Yeah, and being loud. And they're just there. You know, that's like, and that's just playing an LES venue. And I've lived in New York for five years. So, like, I think so far, my I guess my point is, is that with so far, because you get to really meet the people at the show, if, if I, and they'll usually sign up for an email newsletter. Like, if I really wanted to, I probably could, and I've actually started to book some venues in those southeast towns that are bigger. So bigger towns, I'm not going to book like a small town venue per se because those shows are tend to be smaller. Um, I'd rather do like another so far there or something. But like if I'm in Atlanta again, which I will be, um, I'm probably going to try to book a venue show there and do a so far. Yeah. Do both, you know, vinyl and then whatever like, the cool yeah. club in <laughs> Atlanta is now. Um, you know, do something kind of singer songwritery there, and then also do a so far. So like if the show at the venue goes well, great. If it doesn't, well, I got a so far, and it's like, yeah, can so- you do both? When totally. you're on the road like that with that? You can do uh, both. I know, I know and... plenty of bands who do that. Yeah. Like, a lot of bands I've seen, too, like, I tour, I like to tour where I'm doing so far, so far, so far, so like, a bunch of so far's all together and call it, like, a so far tour. But um, I know a lot of bands who will use them almost as, like, filler shows in a way. And I mean that in that they may have a show in D.C. and they may have a show in New York, but they want to put something in Philly and they can't get a venue to book them because it's whatever. They'll do a so far in Philly. So they'll do DC, so far Philly, and they'll do a show in New York. Or I know a band, I was looking at the band today. They're doing Music Fest. And then they're doing, so they're doing a couple nights at Music Fest. And then they're coming to New York, which is, and Music Fest is like 90 minutes outside of New York. They're coming to do a show at Rockwood. And then they're doing a so far the next night. Yeah. So they're staying in New York for two nights and they're doing two shows. And the so far is great because it, the great thing about so far too is it gives you a totally different experience than you would get in a venue. Mm-hmm. Even as a singer songwriter, I genuinely feel too like if I were to do an acoustic show at a venue, like a bar venue, whatever, it still feels different. Even if it's intimate, it still feels different than a so far does. Because I think when you do a so far, the audience is like coming and signing up for that. They're looking for an intimate show. Whereas if you go to a bar or coffee shop that might be smaller and has music. They could be coming in just for drinks. They could be coming in just because they want to hear music. They could be coming in for a little bit of both. They don't. They you know they're just kind of like there, and I mean, unless they really came to see you, but oftentimes they're just kind of like it's a discovery point, and they're just like kind of there. But they're it's not like they're not about it's not about the intimate yeah, show or whatever. And I one hundred percent no 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 <clears throat> Stephen I'm the <laughs> people who were complaining about it are the people who would complain about every part of the business it's like we know what we're signing up for you and know what i mean I it's guess, a hustle it's a hustle uh, yeah and there's you totally. clearly identified all the positive attributes of it no and I, are using yeah. it to filter and funnel your own thing you yeah, know what i mean I, so if I you're think, using it wisely it's like yeah it's too many old jaded veteran musicians are like man only 100 you're like all right dude you're totally. missing the point well, you're no, playing I, cover and, games and i like, and i get it i get Every, I get everybody's complaint. I get what they're saying. And I also get what SoFar says. You know what I mean? I think yeah. both people have come out and both sides, I should say, have come out and said their piece. And I think both are right. But I think it's, what it's really about is um, what, are you, what are you as an artist looking to do? Are you looking to like, really connect with fans or are you looking to make a, like, a lot of money? Like, if I was looking to just make a lot of money from shows, I would just play wedding gigs <laughs> yeah. or I'd play club like, cover gigs. Because you can makes. make, That's you can you make, make real you, can, money, yes. you know, you can make like a grand, yeah. like in one night, and yeah. play like a couple hours, depending on what it is, you know, or more or less, you know. But the point is, is like, if I always wanted to make money. That was my only thing I wanted no, to you're do. Playing your own music, doing yeah. your own. But thing. if I'm doing my own music, it's I'm not. I, no one's saying play Brown Eyed Girl eight times. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, I can do what I want, and people will come and be like, cool, this is great, and they'll clap me, and they'll be, like, there for that. Like, how could I not turn that, how could I not, like, be into that? Why would I ever turn that down? Yeah, that, that's my thing, Like, vinyl and Yeah, and I always, I also, I totally forget about that. Like, I sell merch, too. Yeah, yeah you, and, and, like, and unlike some venues, some venues will take a portion of that. So far, it doesn't take any of that. So, I can sell all the merch that I want. I have t-shirts with little pocket tees that people seem to like, and they're really cool. And I have CDs and all the other jazz, and people come, and they buy it, and they're into it, and they yeah. like, like it. And I think they like the merch more because they got to know who they I was. They got to hang out with you. Yeah. 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 You have that part of your show, too, though, where you tell stories. You're, like, the perfect artist for it. You know what I mean? You can go up there by yourself, and then you're, you have your a raconteur, a troubadour. You tell stories I appreciate and shit that. like that. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> how many cats do we know that, like, can't do that part? And I think people love that shit. You know, I, this, this, is, this is this. <clears throat> like, this, this, part, is, this, this is a podcast. Like, it's the, you talking. Like, you know how many people can't? They'd just be like, ugh. But they're like the sickest songwriters ever. You know what I mean? No, like sure. Not everybody can just I, ramble on. I think two two things. I think one, I grew up in a family of lawyers, so <laughs> it's like you just had to learn how to talk and yeah. talk fast. Talk or your way no, out otherwise, of the no one was yeah. ever going to hear you. Yeah. So that probably is one of thing. Second, I'm Irish, and it's just like we're we're noted chatty folk. <laughs> um, but I, I just think the reality of it is, is that like I knew I was never going to be like the greatest guitar player. And I knew I was never going to be, like, even the greatest songwriter ever. I'm not Bob Dylan, you know, and I, I don't ever really intend to be. But um, I, I felt like if I can come up there and play, like, really emotive songs or songs that, are like, come from a sad place or something, yeah. I also want to add some brevity to that. Um, or levity, I should say. Brevity. Levity. Short. <laughs> Sheesh. I want to... Those um, words are easy to uh, do that myself. Yeah. Uh, I meant... I meant brevity. I, yeah. I meant, levity. Yeah. I want to make people happy in yeah. between those things. <laughs> what I was trying to say. Sheesh. And I just, um, I always felt like I wanted to be able to make people laugh. And all the songwriters I've ever really loved were able to do that. And some of them were amazing players and amazing songwriters. And they also could do that. And some of them were just like, okay. And, um, and I don't, I don't, now I'm not just sitting here saying like I'm a mediocre songwriter. Like, and I just tell stories. Oh, ha, yeah. ha, we ha. understand what you're saying. But you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I always wanted to you be. You were sitting the, here telling me, you, you, you know, I'm the best singer, best guitar player, yeah, best no. song. I'm basically, I'm basically. You know, yeah. And I Whitney just, Houston meets Bob Dylan meets fucking Jimi <laughs> Hendrix. It's like I just, I always wanted to be just able to write really well and and craft a great song, and then also make people feel like they could connect with me as a person. Because I think, much like I was saying earlier when I was talking about Jade Bird or Donovan Woods or whatever. Those songwriters that I love, I always connected with them because I loved their music and I felt like I liked who they were. They were funny or they were interesting and they you were... have a beer with them, yeah. Or... Yeah, and like that's so important to me because I don't, like, nothing's worse than, like, finding out that the like the person you like, whether it's music or otherwise, like, even if it's, like, an actor or some kind of entertainment, whatever cultural figure you like, and you find out, like, after the fact, like, besides the thing that they do that you like... Outside of that, they're really like garbage and they're terrible. Yeah, like you, Kelly. it just it like ruins you. You know what I mean? It makes yeah, you really sad. And I and I always wanted to be like the guy that people. If I always re- loved when also like if I loved an artist and I like just never met them, I didn't meet them at a show or anything. But I always like would reach out and be like, "Hey, I like love your music and I really appreciate what you do." And if they respond like, "Yeah, thanks so much. That's really sweet." And I met artists like that, and I was like really blown away. And I was like, "You talked to me for like five minutes. That's so nice." Yeah. And they didn't have to do that, but they did. And now, like, I love them, and I'll trumpet their names across the interweb forever because yeah. they were so great. Yeah. I always wanted to be that type of artist to people who like my music, you know. And I don't think there's like people clamoring to talk to Stephen Babcock, but if there was, I'd be there to talk to him. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
that's what I that's what I really want in life. Like I want to be able to to feel like you know people can can speak to me because like, I'm just a guy, you know. Yeah, yeah. And that's it's important to me that if people like want to know who I am, that they can figure it out. Yeah, you know, or that that I'm accessible to people who maybe enjoy what I do because it's like if you can if you're gonna sit there as a fan and say I like your music, nothing's nicer than that. That's like the nicest thing anybody could say. Um, especially someone who doesn't know who I am. So if they were like, Hey, what, like, what do you like? Or who are, you know, what do you like outside of this thing? Like, I'm always up to be like, I like this and I do that. And what do you do? And you know, how's your life? And whatever, you know, I want to, I want to make that connection because I think that's that's important. So far is literally giving people to me. That's why live music is only becoming more powerful right now. Right. It's like, totally, dude, we're all zombies. And it's like, finally we get to, hang out yeah that's that's the main thing i I think i've loved about so far most is that people you know like i I, granted i i don't don't feel like i'm super sociable but i feel like if the timing is right and it feels good i'll i'm i can be sociable and that's like if you're willing to come talk to me i'll talk to you i won't like turn you away or you know if whatever it is if you just want to say hey thanks or you want to say like i hate you i'll be like cool thanks you know just this is great or if you want to talk to me for like 10 minutes or an hour or whatever yeah. i'll chat you up I'm it's hanging. like yeah we're here to hang yeah cool you know it's like that's important to me because i think nothing's worse than finding out the person you like love culturally musically or f- video whatever film like they're actually like terrible and mean and like that's brutal and that never yeah, want to be that experience for somebody. It's never that cool. No. Well, that leads me perfectly. To, this is usually my last kind of question to tie <clears throat> things up, but I have an extra special last question for you. Sure. But we're gonna save that one for one second. But so, what is? I want to hit that. What is kind of the future? What's the future plans for you? Could be two years. Could be ten years. You kind of already alluded to things that you're wanting to do, but is there anything that you're like? Besides the singles, you have the singles coming out. You yeah, there's have a obviously single. a full summer. You so have yeah. a couple music videos or... Yeah, there's... Uh, I don't I know. Guess it, what's, to touch kinda, on it all, what's, what's the future of the Stephen Babcock? To touch on it world? all, kind of again, uh, June 28th, Fight I Need, is my first single that comes out. It's on Spotify, iTunes, uh, you know, everything there. Uh, all online and everything. Um, and then a release show at Rockwood Music Hall Stage 2 on June 29th. Um, I don't know if this will air before or after that, but probably after it'll but, probably come out right around then. Well, I hope you enjoyed the show guys. Um, and then, yeah. <laughs> you know, and then, um, so a new single fight I need is out or should be out show on the 29th and then I'll do it. I'm doing a tour. It starts, uh, the 16th of July. I'll be in Nashville 16th through the 18th. Uh, then the 19th I'll be in Asheville 20th. I'll be in Charlotte 21st. I'll be in DC. Uh, doing a so those are all so far shows so far sounds shows then I'll be doing a so far sounds back in New York on July 23rd um, and this is kind of July and then August there's music fest August 3rd um, and some more so fars and stuff I think for me that's just kind of like the shows and the things um, that's going to be for fight I need fight I need and then new single in the fall re- new reboot. single new single um, I think we're going to do another single on uh, September 13th I think that's tentatively what we're going to do. Uh, it's fitting because the song is called Devil, and it's that's Friday the Thirteenth. Mm. So I think that they actually pl- we didn't initially plan for that, but it just kind of worked out that kind way. Pieces are coming so it kind of was like let's just ride that one. That's pretty good. Um, and then we'll probably do another one in November. Um, that'll kind of close out the main three singles that I have in the pocket that are recorded. And then there's another fourth one that we should be releasing either in 2019 or possibly 2020. I think going forward, um, 
you know, my hope is always that, like I do one of these and like there's like a executive who's like listening. He's like, wow, I love this guy. Let's <laughs> sign him. You know, I think for me, what I <laughs> what I'd love more than anything, though, I think is I, my hope is that with these new songs coming out, that they do well, like on Spotify, they do well digitally. People react to them positively. Um, that I'd love to sign a, like a booking agent um, just so I can tour more. Um, Which you can do. Oh, I hope so. Ten you know. cities with a hundred people coming to your shows. That was always my goal. And I never you achieved know, it. So you're going to do it. You're going to live well, out I my goal. I appreciate that because you know I feel like I'm often like burying myself in like self doubt and everything. So it's good to hear that somebody's got my back on that. Um, you can do it. Um, you're you're planting all the seeds. I've, I was <laughs> your age touring. Too many things, and it, to get it all, you just got to yeah. put in the years. And I think that's, and that's the thing. I feel together. like I've been doing it now for a long time, and I, I feel like I have a really great band now. And um, if you know, I may possibly move to Nashville, but I think in the next year or two. But I think the big thing for me as Lower a musician, costs a little bit, yeah, yeah, have your own creative space, yeah, have <laughs> <laughs> my little yeah that buffer room. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Damn it, I need an ante room. I need an ante room, please. Um, <laughs> Uh, but I, I think for me, the big thing right now is to you know get the Spotify numbers up and get people to like check it out on Spotify. That's super helpful this, in, as far as the social currency of the music industry now that matters. And I'd like to really sign with a booking agent and kind of start touring. Uh, as you know, you're ready know, to go opening. on the road. Is what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, I'm ready to go on the road, and I'd like to get a, a booking agent because I think that helps a lot. And I'm at a point where like I've done a lot. Of, I've done almost all the self booking I can do as far as getting so far shows at like small small venue shows. Like I'm at a point where it'd be great to have some help with that. And then obviously if the singles go well and there's a label that's interested, I'll certainly be interested. There's some labels I really like that I'd like to kind of invest in and work with. Um, but that's the thing. I think I'd like to start signing some some team members, let's put it that way. Yeah. Booking and, and label Expanding the empire. Yeah. Because yeah. I think, you know, having done this now, really, truly, honestly, for like five years. Five years. I've done it, on the hustle. And I've done it for a lot longer than that, obviously, but really sh- seriously, took it, doing, talking about like five years, um, it's time to bring in, I think, some other hands. Yeah. Um, which is always a weird point in a music career, but it's kind of like when you know, you know. And I kind of think yeah, I, you're, I know. you're more than ready for you some know. sort of management. Yeah, or like a management to manager or something. You know, just something because you know, I, lawyer. Do you have a lawyer? You of course have multiple lawyers. In yeah, your I, family, have, I have but some family that help, but I don't have like a music lawyer. The music or anything, lawyer but, who like plugs you into the network, kind of. Yeah, you're yeah, like, yeah. hey, you should maybe talk to this yeah, yeah, young yeah. cat or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think for me, that's kind of the big, the big situation where I'm at now, and just building the team out. You know, and and just trying. But I think. Overall of it, though, you know, signing team members and, or working with other people in a booking capacity or label capacity or whatever, you know, I just want to keep writing great songs, you know. So for me, the hope is that I can go home every night and just keep writing great music and get better at it because I think I know that my songwriting can only go up. And yep. the more that it's like, you know, a muscle, ironically, the more you work on it, the more it gets, you know, totally better. And the, it gets more better. <laughs> uh, it, it, the better it gets, and I think that's really important. And so for me, just to, as much as I can push that, that's what I want to do too. Yeah. And you know, I just I'd like to kind of get everything all together before I'm 30. And I'm 27 now. So now it's recorded. Perfect. So hopefully, three years. By the, yeah, I got three years to kind of figure it out um, or or bust, I guess. But really, just to kind of lock everything in, and I'm ready for the next steps, I guess. So in that mind, long story short. A booking agent, a label, something like that, doing more touring, writing more, doing more co-writes, being in Nashville and New York a bunch. That's, those are my future plans. This you know? is all good. This yeah. is all good stuff. And then we haven't talked about it. Mm. Now, <clears throat> after the NFL draft, I, I did, knew we were going I here. Did I did talk. I knew we were going here. My father. <laughs> here we your, go. Your fandom is 
Your fandom, your Bills Mafia fandom oh, was, yeah. I was like, I was like, yeah, I like the Bills. And then you were like, <laughs> I was like, okay, I don't, I don't know if I like the Bills like you. But my father, <clears throat> after the draft, sure. gave me a 30-minute dissertation. I was like, Dad, I am not dialed into the Bills, but how do you think the draft went, and how do you think the prospect of next year is looking? Uh, quick quick Bills take, because yeah. we have a super Bills fan in the so, house. Yeah, I love the Bills. Uh, my girlfriend's from Buffalo. I'm from New Hartford, which is near Syracuse, uh, New York, so I'm from central New York. <laughs> love the Buffalo Bills. Grew up on it. Uh, family's a big fan. I'm a big fan. I think the draft went freaking banging, dude. <laughs> Oh, I'm so hyped he's up. Yeah, he's oh. so, Ed so Oliver with that pick, I couldn't even believe it fell to the Bills and like the fact that they picked him up, outstanding. Uh, they got Cody Ford in the second round, which they they said they was in, they were going to take him in the first round. So I can't even imagine the fact that he felt like it just felt like this year for the Bills, like everything fell like to them and it was just right. You know, they got they got uh, the they got Knox who's a tight end out of Ole Miss. Yeah. At tight end, like they, they, what the Bills have done over the last two years, like they made the playoffs like two years ago, and like on like a fluke, yep. right? Got rid of Tyrod Taylor, you know, clean house a little bit. Last year, their offensive line was trash, um, and Josh Allen still played really well, and they went six and ten. Um, and then this year, I think they're, I mean, bold. I'm going to say I certainly think they're going to be nine and seven. That's not that bold, but I do think they they have the <laughs> possibility. Bold. To even win the AFC East, and that's the Woo! Bills. That's a Bills super fan in me talking. <laughs> Watch out, Patriots! But uh, the Bills, the the Bills are like they're just looking really strong, and I think um, uh. you know Josh Allen's got to play well. They've got like a, a wacky running back situation, Frank Gore and Lashawn McCoy. But I think that's the, the the old sometimes that old you know veteran status like kind of knows the way and i think those two running backs with devin singletary who they also picked up in the draft like just a combo of great running backs they've also just like picked up some great free agent running backs they got great receivers now that are they're not like they're not superstar receivers but they're really great receivers i won't even say good they're great receivers that can really uh put some stats on the board yeah and some points on the board and um as long as josh allen can lead the team and keep you know doesn't get injured and hurt himself again I think they're like well on their way to nine and seven, and I think they're at least a wild card spot, if not AFC East division, you know, winners for sure. Oh man, your your stoke is so high. Oh, I, love it. I got I got the Zubas overalls. I got the whole operation. <laughs> I got all my gear. Uh, you know, every Sunday. That's the one thing. That's that's actually the, speaking you, with music you, and did bills. Did you write a song about the Bills? Right or something? no? I, I have you. I, what the, I was going to say the big thing for me that's really tough is like in the fall. I try to like not be busy on Sundays. Yeah, so I can watch your, the game. Your fandom is that deep. Yeah. I like you know, and like, it's just really interesting because like, even if I have a show on a Sunday, like I'll spend, I'll be at one o'clock. You'll catch me watching football. So then at eight o'clock, I got a show. And I'm playing the show because like I just love the Bills that much. It's like the one sport I like truly am passionate about. I like a bunch of other, you know, I like baseball, I like hockey, um, all that stuff too. But but the Bills, the bills are your heart. The yeah. Bills, dude. Oh, the Bills. I love yeah, the Bills, yeah. dude. They're like the greatest team ever. I love your fandom. That's oh. the thing. My my brother and my father, they always start out with such high. They're like, this is, this things are looking. And then oh, it's like, they do it every year. Somehow, dude. like, yeah, they break your hearts the, like six games in. Everybody's like, oh, fuck. The, like, the last long year. For as long as I've really been alive, um, they've been terrible. You know what I mean? It, like, granted, I was born in 91, so they were pretty good those last couple, those first couple of years I was alive. But then um, as I got to be like, I don't know, like eight, nine, ten. 
I remember my older brother being like, man, this team's garbage. And they had like terrible <laughs> uniforms. Yeah. And I was like, when Trent Edwards was quarterback, it was just bad. It was just like, oh, it was terrible. Oh. And then in these last couple of years, they've really picked it up. And yeah. I think this is their year where they're really going to make a statement. You know, I hate to say, if not this year, next year, which is always the Bills way. But I think that we're, you're not, they're not far off from like a deep playoff run. Um, if it's not this year, it's going to be because of injury, I think. Yeah. Well, but, and yeah. the Patriots. It's and tough, the Patriots. The goddamn yeah. Patriots. Once Tom Brady's gone, I mean, that, all, that division is that, up well. for grabs, dude. <laughs> as soon as Belichick. Yeah. Oh, I love your fandom. <laughs> Thanks, Bob. I, when I met Steve, <laughs> dropped, I was like, yeah, I like the Bills. And I was just like, oh, no, I don't like the Bills. Like, he likes the Bills. I was like, surprised. Well, the thing is, you, I always get surprised when I do a show. Like, I played a show so far, actually, the other day. And this guy, he's from, he said he was from Chicago. And I was like, oh, you must love the Bears. And he's like, no, nah, I love the Bills. And now we're best friends on like, Instagram. <laughs> like, on Instagram, I, like, I mean, granted, I, he, Bills he was, memes and shit. Yeah. He's like, a really nice guy. His name's John. And he's in another band. And the band's exploding. They're doing awesome. But he was on the road. And I was like, dude, how's, how's your tour going? And he goes, oh, it's going very, very good. It's going great. And it's like, what do you think of those Bills, though? And he's like, oh, and then we start talking yeah. about it. And like, you know, he's in the road playing shows. I'm doing my thing. But I mean, like, now we've become kind of these, these like, Instagram friends because. We just met at a show and as musicians and like love the bills together. And yeah. like, he's also like, man, did you see the old line changes? Like, heck yeah, I saw the old line changes. talking like, about the old line you know, right now. The yeah. second string is great. It's just as good as the first. You know, it's like, what are you going to do? So I, I don't know. I'm a big bills, big time bills guy. No, I love it. And I usually, Steven, oh, you got me amped. Now I got to go. I got to <laughs> learn so I can talk to my father. I told you I'm going to go see him next week. Um, Usually, the song, now, I listen to all your tracks, mm-hmm. and I don't have the specific titles, but the one I was thinking that we should play to close people out is your line that the audience just ate up is about how, is it weird that I miss your mom more than I miss you? Yeah, yeah, it's 5A. We, 5A, that's the most played track on it. It's or, one of the most well, played, was, yeah, on the top of the Spotify things. I know it changes, like, every day, but it that's changes, yeah. the one that people Can like, we play uh, them out with that song, or do you yeah. want to pick a different song? Yeah, or you can play the new song, the Fight I oh, Need that's, song. Oh, that's going to lead us into this. Oh, it's going to lead us in? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 5A is good. I usually do two tracks. I like to like leave totally. with your vibe. Let's do again. 5A. It's fun, 5A. and I know you like it. And I yeah, love that, that track. And, it's super fun. And I remember the audience just like, LOL, actually like laughing out loud. Yeah. And I was like, that is a good fucking lyric. And so relatable and totally. so true. And the one thing I didn't say that I wanted to say to you. Sure. I teach a songwriting class mm-hmm. to teenagers sure. which you can absolutely imagine what teenagers write songs about sure it hasn't I, changed I did do that yeah you know? no, i was there we were there i was there we were there you were and there, you're yeah. like and you're you're trying to like just make them understand life experience so much faster you're right yeah the thing that i think is so beautiful and makes your song so like i'm like in it with you is it how specific your references are I'm specific, so, that's really good to hear. That's good to hear that. I can't I even like, say that fucking word. I always right, feel but. like I'm trying to incorporate that. You know what I mean? Like in a way. Like I, I don't want to be too specific. That it's like I remember the the weather in Daytona in 1986. Like I don't want to do oh, that. That's the shit that I eat up. You know. Like, but I I like when something feels relatable. That's so important to me. And I want to be specific enough that people who may have had that experience totally get it you know i'm not just going to say something like oh i love you and this is great it's like that's that's just no, that's, too that's what broad young young you know? songwriters right you yeah, have a maturity wanna, to your writing you know or i mean? like to blend that i like to blend a little bit of the specific with a little bit of the broad and and kind of that perfect middle ground that's what i care about because i think that's what makes a song stick you know i mean obviously you know like you're saying here you like that lyric and that's the one lyric that lately that people just like really gravitate towards and i i just kind of 
it makes me laugh because I remember when I wrote that song, I was like really upset. I was like really mad, not upset, mad is really what it was. And um, that was I wrote that song a little while ago, a couple of years ago now, and it's just like it's so funny because it's still. It's still true, and and maybe not for me, who I am now as a twenty seven year old songwriter. But it, when I wrote it, like twenty five or twenty six, people still understand and feel that way. And the people who are thirty, forty, fifty, people who are fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, all the way up to twenty, whatever, it's people very come relatable concept. Everybody who comes to um, comes to a show, there's always one person that comes to me after the show and goes, "Wow, that lyric! Wow, I knew this guy's mom was a, was just the greatest, and gem, he was yeah. garbage." <laughs> or you know, or something like that, you know. Yeah, and you're like, like everybody's like, "Fuck, I can really no." That is so yeah. relatable, you know. Because I think, and everybody's dated somebody, you know, whatever. Maybe that it's they, the brother, maybe it's the mother, maybe they, it's the there's father. a family member, or is there somebody that maybe it's their friend that like you miss, like that. Because there's that's so. I feel like sometimes I get that where I'm like, oh, you know, I I want to invite this person to like a show that I'm doing, or I want to like I want to see if they want to go get brunch, but. I can't. Uh, I, I can't cross the line. The divorce because that's over. In the now. divorce, we've been yeah. cut off. Yeah, and people take oh, sides, man. and it's, it's tough. so true. It's hard. Yeah, it's modern life. Dude. I think yeah. the, the original of that is uh, the James Taylor song "Her Town Too." Mm. Yeah, for those people who have never heard that song, go listen to that song. It's got um, it's J- J- James Taylor. And I think J D. Souther on it. Yeah, and it's uh, it's a fantastic track, and that's kind of almost like it, it's not the inspiration per se. I didn't use that song as inspiration, but it's like when I hear that song, you I think the of the same similar. sentiment. Yeah. Of kind of like that di- that relationship divorce, and the friends are going one way, and you're going the other. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, oh, we get it's so relatable. Yeah, especially early twenties, right when that people are making totally. decisions. Like, are yeah. we going to stay with this person forever? Yeah. Nah, probably not. Yeah, so yeah, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. Damn it! I really <laughs> liked your mom, though, man. She was hooking me up with. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, thank you for taking the Dude, time. Thank you for having me. Good luck with everything. We'll check Thanks. in in a year or something. Sure. Definitely in three years when you have a booking agent. I hope so. Yeah, I hope, I hope all these goals come true. I'll have this as like the Bills a, have won the AFC East. Oh, man, I hope the Bills have won a Super Bowl by three <laughs> years from now, dude. Dude, that's so the one I'm looking for. Booking agent. Dude, if everything else falls through, at rooms. least if the Bills win a Super Bowl, I'll at least be able to go, wow, sheesh, at least something happened. I fucking called that one, though. <laughs> Thank you so much. Everybody, Stephen Babcock Music, StephenBabcock.com, yep. Stephen. Uh, at Stephen B. Music on, Insta- uh, Stephen B. Music on Instagram, uh, Facebook.com slash Stephen Babcock Music, uh, and www.steven, with a P-H, uh, BabcockMusic.com. Thank you so much, bro. Thank you, man. was an hourglass, but she could spare no time. She was so stubborn, she'd break this heart of mine. All of the words, well, why do we have to say goodbye? Masking the truth under her alibi. Tell me something I want to hear now, honey Won't you tell me something I want to hear Oh, well, and She lives up in 5A Thinking she never does wrong Is it bad that I miss her mother more than I miss her 
funny man you miss the mom more than you miss the babe i love that word when uh, steven was performing like the whole crowd left thanks so much for listening i'm glad you're still here mucho love from secret famous and me paul matasan we love you we got some hot shit coming we're getting the shit to coming hi oh have an excellent motherfucking day feel delicious and nutritious and get the fuck after